With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock, and it is time for OTAs. We will be out there on Wednesday for the first time. Uh, the Browns only holding two weeks of OTAs because of the shortened offseason program. Of course, they start training camp a little early, so they're going to do two weeks of OTAs, one week of mandatory minicamp, and then try and let everybody get a little break in uh, before that early report date at the Greenbrier. Uh, in the middle of July. So to get you ready for OTAs and kind of what you might be seeing from us, hearing from us, let's uh, talk about the things we're watching there. So Mary Kay, why don't you get us started? What what are you watching at OTAs? We'll just kind of go around the horn for as long as we need to here. Well, there are so many things that I want to see at OTAs. So many new guys that we've been talking about, writing about, thinking about. But I'm going to go with a little bit of recency bias here and say, I can't wait to see what Zadarius Smith is all about. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how, uh, you know, how he integrates into the team, how he's, uh, you know, kind of, you know, just what it's like between him and Miles Garrett and just the energy that he brings, because certainly uh, the day that he signed his contract, he was out there with all kinds of energy in Berea. And, uh, you know, I just want to see what he's all about. And then we, are probably going to get an opportunity to talk to him tomorrow since he's one of the new guys. And so, you know, I want to see, you know, I've heard that in the past he, he wasn't like a super, super media friendly guy. And so I just want to see, you know, you know, what are the first impressions of him in that regard as well? Yeah, sometimes guys play nice in that first press conference. Sometimes they try and set a little tone that they don't like us. So I, I guess we'll get to see that from Zadarius. I, you know, when you mentioned Miles Garrett, Mary Kay, I, I kind of thought, I, I hope he's there, right? Because Miles sometimes is, is in and out of the offseason program, or he has been in the past, and we're still in the voluntary part. Because, it, you know, Ashley, seeing Miles and Jadavion Clowney next to each other was, like, jarring when, when those two first showed up. And I want to see what Miles and Zadarius look like together. I know there's no contact. I know they can't hit the quarterback and all that. But I, I want to see what those two just – we talk so much about the eyeball test. What do they look like next to each other? Yeah, and I wrote about this, I think, after, like, right after rookie minicamp, and then again in my, like, three things I'm watching for OTAs. And I didn't, like, single out Zadarius specifically, even though I think that's a great one. But for me, like, when we were at minicamp and watching, 
the defensive, the new guys come up, right? It wasn't like there's no contact. They're not wearing pads or anything, but you could still see, like, even though they're going against garbage cans and tackle dummies, like, I thought you could still see the way explosiveness was emphasized by Jim Schwartz, the way he was coaching them up. And I think, like, when you do get those veteran guys in there, like, we're going to see that even more. So, yeah, like, so much of it is about an eye test at this stage, but you can still, like, glean things from that, I think. And, and Mary Kay, you've talked about this on the on the pod before. You can, like Ashley said, you watching guys go through bags. If you watch close enough, you can kind of see some of that stuff. And uh, I will say, I on the second day of rookie minicamp, I walked over and uh, a few of us were standing over there. Ashley, you were over there too when they were when they were doing their defensive line drills. And Jim Schwartz was right there, along with Ben Bloom and and some of the other defensive line coaches, just kind of taking it all in. So. Um, that, that's going to be interesting to watch tomorrow when they uh, when they kind of go off and do their individual stuff, maybe walk over by the defensive line guys and just watch those guys go through those drills. Yeah, I mean, there's just going to be such a, you know, a new vibe on defense and a new energy over there on that side of the ball. I mean, think about it. They have signed 13 new defenders, obviously not all starters, I believe there will be at least four new starters on the defense. And if you consider that they will play three safeties a lot, uh, you know, you can look at it like, you know, almost four and a half, five when you factor in Rodney McLeod. Uh, But there's, there's a, you know, a new, just a new culture on that defense already. And I'm very anxious to see how the, the pieces and the parts fit together, because I think that's one of the most important things of the 2023 season. It was so disjointed last year. There were so many guys that were disgruntled. Uh, there were guys that just didn't like their roles there. You know, there was Jadavian sparring with miles unbeknownst to us for most of the season. There was, you know, Greg was a little bit unhappy with his role. You know, you had JJ three, not really feeling super fulfilled in his role. So I, I just think it's going to be uh, just completely different over there. And I'm very anxious to see, especially the defensive line. I mean, that's going to be, except for Miles, pretty much uh, three other new starters on that D-line. Yeah, Dalvin, getting our first look at Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, all of that. All right, Ashley, what do you have? Yeah, I'll go over to the offensive side of the ball. I think one of the things I'm most intrigued to see is what Deshaun Watson is going to look like with some of these new pass catchers in Cleveland. So like Jordan Akins, who he's obviously played with, but to just kind of see what that chemistry is like. And then to add Cedric Tillman into things, and he's a bigger body receiver than what they've had in the roster last year with Deshaun. And then I think the two I'm most interested to see Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin, because that's a kind of speed that Deshaun hasn't really had to work with yet here. Um, and what those guys kind of look like. And also with the caveat, like Mary Kay wrote a story last week about this Puerto Rico trip that Deshaun took his offensive teammates on. And a lot of those guys were in attendance. It looked like from the pictures that were posted on Deshaun's social media. So they've already kind of been working on this chemistry and bonding and things like that, but I'm excited to kind of see it in action and try to get a feel for what it's actually going to look like with him throwing those guys the ball yeah there's there's a lot of different branches off of this that that i kind of want to discuss but mary Kay, that is sort of the you know our first look at deshaun watson this season now you know how much control does he have over the offense how does he look throwing to these guys there's been a couple clips the browns have circulated because they did practice today but you know this was not one of the days we were out there throwing to elijah Moore. just all that timing just just all of that stuff that you know, when you're throwing against air, when you're running seven on seven, at least you get a chance to sort of see what that looks like. 
Yeah, and you think about it now. Deshaun Watson can get all of those first-team reps, and he can get prepared now. He can get that timing down. You don't have to worry about getting two guys ready to play your season. You can focus on the one main guy. So I think that's going to be important. And he has been working out with some of these guys already. So I am anxious to see hey, how do you look with Elijah Moore right now? Again, it's just on air and it's not, you know, there's no contact or anything like that, but um, you can pick things up. You can get, uh, you know, how does a guy, you know, come back for the ball? How does, you know, you can find things out just by watching some of these practices. And uh, he already has a comfort level uh, with his former Houston tight end, Jordan Akins. How is he going to look in this offense? Uh, he's probably going to just step right up as the number two tight end behind David Njoku. And, you know, let's see how those guys fit together and work together. Uh, so, yeah, very, very anxious. And then you want to see, you know, hey, how is David Bell? How is Anthony Schwartz? How are some of these young guys going to say, don't forget about me? Do not forget about me. So, uh, you know, so you really need to, uh, you know, kind of keep an eye on how those guys are still sort of, you know, making sure that they're relevant uh, with these four new pass catchers on hand. The other thing that that I like is kind of watching how guys interact between reps, right? So just like the, the good stuff really actually happens when guys screw up right? A guy runs a wrong route or Deshaun misses a throw or a guy drops the ball, whatever it is. Like you don't want to see that in, in this setting, but sometimes the, the really good stuff happens then because you get to see how Deshaun interacts with people and kind of see what sort of leadership role he's taking on, how he coaches people up. I, you know, that's, that's one of the really fascinating things I think Ashley of watching practice. And we don't get to see that during the season. We, we get such a limited window. So these days when we're out there and we get to watch, an hour and a half or two hours of practice, you do get to see a lot of these little interactions we wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah. And this is like our first real year where I think we can kind of with Deshaun here, truly focus in on how he specifically does that. Because last year, like we had to expend a lot of energy also watching Jacoby Brissett, like knowing he was going to play a significant role, watching how they're dividing reps between Deshaun and Jacoby Brissett. But like, I even remember last year during training camp, like it felt like the joint practices with the Eagles, which obviously is slightly different, like there's contacts and things like that, unlike OTAs, but like you really felt and saw that Jacoby Brissett, Amari Cooper connection and how those guys in particular had a chemistry and the way Amari is so precise with his route running that Jacoby really liked. So I think like we're going to get an early glimpse, maybe like a preview of what we'll see more during training camp practices of who Deshaun has like that natural chemistry with, which we've talked about over and over again, is really important. And I think they've thrown a lot of different pieces at him and guys with different skills to see what exactly is going to gel with with what he can do best and in, in the scramble drill stuff particularly. So I'm, I'm going to kind of continue down this stretch here with the Deshaun and the receiving core. And one of the things that's great about the spring, and there's a couple instances of this last year, you kind of get to see what the Browns are thinking about a player's role and, and where that player is going to play, where he fits. So like, you know, remember last year, it was in the spring when we, we kind of picked up on like, oh, Greg Newsom is like, he's playing the slot. And we had seen it a little bit in the season before, but that was sort of in an emergency, like, hey, we need somebody there it was like legitimately happening in, in the spring. And, and that became a storyline and still is. Um, but on the offensive side, when you look at the receivers, I want to see like, where does Elijah Moore line up? 
Is he in the slot? Is he outside? How does that affect Donovan Peoples-Jones? Where does Marquise Goodwin line up? And Mary Kay, this is kind of our first opportunity to see 11 guys on the field and, and kind of get an idea of what the Browns are thinking with all of these guys. Yeah, and it's not going to be easy because we are only out there for, um, again, there are only two OTA weeks instead of the usual three OTA weeks. And in these OTA weeks, we are only out there for one day of practice. So we've got this Wednesday, tomorrow, and then we've got next Wednesday, and that's it until the three-day mandatory full squad minicamp. And there's a lot to look at. There is a lot to look at um, because there are uh, 90 players on the roster right now, and it's, it's, it's hard to take it all in. Uh, but that is one thing we are going to be looking at is how are they using these receivers? What do you do with, you know, what happens to David Bell now that Elijah Moore is here? When you're out there in, in two wides, who are the two? Who are the three? When do you occasionally go to four? What are you doing in terms of 12 personnel or 13 or 11? I mean, how are you using uh, the number of tight ends? And they're not going to, you know, put a game plan out there tomorrow that they're going to actually be doing in the opener or anything like that. But you do start to see, okay, are you going to be using David and Jordan on the field a lot in, you know, two tight ends and, you know, two wide receivers? Or how are you going to do this? And they have the opportunity to be very multiple, obviously, with all of those different pass catchers that they have. Um, but, I, you know, I, for one, can't wait to see uh, how they use some of those guys. And then how do you fit in uh, some of those young guys, you know, like a David Bell and, and see that they, you know, kind of aren't getting lost in the shuffle. But I'm also interested to see, you know, how much is Amari Cooper going to be able to do right now? How recovered is he from his core muscle surgery? Uh, so that could be a factor when we get out there, too. He might be a little bit limited. He actually probably should be a little bit limited right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, that you know, Maybe Amari's not out there, so we don't quite get to see all the cards. But, it, you know, like if Cedric Tillman goes out there early on the outside, Ashley, that, that tells us something, right? That they really kind of like where he's at and that maybe he can be a contributor pretty early in all of this. And then... You know, like again, Elijah Moore, is he going to be outside more, inside more? We're not going to get all the answers, but we're going to get some indications at least. Yeah, that's like two of the guys who I think I'm most like intrigued by, especially Elijah and where exactly he's playing. And I mean, they really seem to like Cedric so far. Like, I mean, I'm curious to see what his snaps are going to look like and everything. But yes, like obviously if you don't have Amari, Amari is still your number one receiver, or if Amari is not able to go 100%. Um, I do think it's not the full picture, but like you can still kind of glean those sorts of things. I think like, again, I remember last year, like seeing, uh, Martin Emerson's like going out there quite a bit, or even like, Oh, they have, I think you guys talked about this on, on one of the Hey MK pods recently, like on the defensive side last year, it was, huh? Like they seem to really like Jacob Phillips at that middle linebacker spot. You do kind of get those first like position battle glimpses, I guess. Yeah. That was another thing from last year. Jacob Phillips was like taking first team reps at middle linebacker. And, and again, some of that's a little misleading because it's so early, but that, that was one of those things that kind of stood out like, Oh, maybe they want Jacob to be the guy starting there. Okay, let's take a break, and then we'll go through with another round of these and, and throw in some others if we've got them. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are previewing OTAs. So Mary Kay, what else are you watching for uh, when we're out of practice on Wednesday? Oh my gosh, there there are so many things. And we could uh, we could probably go for like two hours. We really could. I'm, I'm telling you what. One of the things that I am watching is I do want to see what Juan Thornhill is bringing to the table back there in the back end. I want to see. He's been talking, you know, kind of a, a big game lately about don't bring any negativity, and this is the tone we're going to set, and this is how we do things here. And he's coming in here having gone to three straight Super Bowls. I think he brings a lot of leadership. I think he brings a lot of energy. And I just want to see, you know, what impact he's going to have back there on the back end. I, I just think he's going to sort of pop off the page and and stand out back there a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just think he's going to attract people to him. So, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, is, is he hanging out with Greg Newsom a little bit? Is he talking to Grant? You know, so just how are the pieces and parts going to fit together in the back end? One that was a bit fractured at times last year. Yeah, again, this is sort of like the the Deshaun thing. But on the other side, Ashley, like we're going to see Juan Thornhill's interactions and how all these guys mix together and talk and who's hanging out. And it's it's just a little glimpse into something we don't normally get to see. Yeah, Dan, I liked how you wrote it in your players to watch. Like you didn't single out even like a single safety or just like how are these safeties going to be used? So like bigger picture, I also like that idea because like, yes, Juan has been talking a lot. Like I'm curious to see the kind of energy he actually brings out onto the field. But it's even like something as, okay, like right now we assume that Juan is going to go out and be the free safety and Grant is probably going to be the strong safety. But like, what are these three safeties going to look? What's it going to look like with Rodney McLeod out there? How do Juan and Grant play off of each other? What's their demeanor like in the huddles on the sidelines, all those sorts of things. So I definitely think like with this new defense, it's a really interesting position group to kind of keep an eye on uh, because they have two kind of big key pieces and they lost a really big key piece in JJ three. Yeah, Mary Kay, I I think that's, so what I what I had written was just the alignment of the safeties and who's playing where and how you know is there a guy that maybe plays a lot of big nickel, um, you know do we it, we assume Rodney McLeod is going to be that third safety who's the fourth safety if we really want to get into the weeds of the depth chart you know who's who's the fourth safety on on this team right now so I, I do want to see what these safeties look like under Jim Schwartz because the three safety look was such a big story when Joe Woods was the defensive coordinator I feel like we asked him about that every single press conference in the, in the spring and summer. Uh, but I still think, you know, three safeties is going to be a thing. I think we're going to see Rodney McLeod, Juan Thornhill and Grant Delpit out there in, in some form. And I don't think it's always going to be Juan deep safety, Grant strong safety. I mean, I, I think they're going to switch guys around a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And they have the versatility to do that. So I don't think you can pigeonhole these guys into really super defined roles like that. I think it's going to be a game planning thing. I think it's going to be week by week. You're going to put, uh, you're, it's going to be very matchup driven. You're going to fi- try to create a ma- mismatch uh, with certain players on, on the other side of the ball. And uh, I, I don't think you're going to have, you know, this guy's free, this guy's strong, this guy's third. You're going to see a lot of three 
free safeties, as you mentioned. I think you'll see more three free safeties than you will three linebackers, right? Um, I, I really think that you're going to see that. And, um, and I, you know, I think that they're going to really utilize that talent in the back end. I think you're going to see more man coverage. One of the things that we're not going to really be able to see in training camp is, um, you know, how much Greg Newsom, I mean, in OTAs, how much is Greg going to be playing in the slot? But you'll be able to pick up. I think they're going to cross train a lot of those guys. That is something to keep an eye on. What is Greg doing, right? That's something, you know, because Greg, they want Greg to be happy. Greg wants to be happy. He's a talented player. He's a former first round pick. Uh, and, you know, I, I do think that they're going to want to make sure that he's super, super comfortable in his role, maximizing his talents and abilities. So, you know, that's another thing to watch for there in the back end. Yeah, there, there's a lot there. Ashley, go ahead. What, what have you got? Um, I would say, because we already talked about the defensive line as a whole now. So I'm trying to think, I know, I'm really curious, just like the running backs in general. I know, Dan, you singled out Jerome Ford, but like without Kareem Hunt there, plus what does Jerome look like? Um, I do just think it is sort of another interesting position group that has like a different feel behind the number one guy in Nick Chubb. So I felt like this offseason was a little bit of a vote of confidence in Jerome Ford because they didn't draft a guy and they haven't really signed anybody there. They haven't they brought in an undrafted free agent. But other than that, it's it's John Kelly. It's Jerome Ford. It's whatever you think Demetric Felton is. Um, I mean, Mary Kay, it's right there for Jerome Ford if he wants it. I mean, there's probably still another addition or two they could make, but we're not talking big name guys. So that number two job is is Jerome Ford's if he can take it. Yes, that is the plan is for Jerome Ford to step into that role and to be the replacement for Kareem Hunt. So that's where that is going. And it's a great opportunity for him. It's really a tremendous opportunity for Jerome to go out and show uh, that he can make those yards, that he can catch the ball out of the backfield, that he can play that third down back role when necessary. Um, You know, let's see, you know, what about the goal line? That was where Kareem Hunt really, really excelled was getting those tough yards on the goal line and punching it in. Are they going to use Jerome Ford there? Are they going to use Nick Moore there? So we're going to, you know, we're going to get some glimpses into that. But I do think that they, I still do think that they will add another good running back, whether it's a young guy or whether it's a veteran. And I don't think that they feel that that guy is too, too hard to find. If you remember back, of course you do. Um, you know, there have been times where they plugged Dearness Johnson, their third running back in behind this excellent offensive line, and he was able to get 100 yards. So uh, that's another thing about this running back position here. It's like you are really ending up in a good situation with those guys in front of you. Uh, so it, it just shouldn't be that hard to go out and find somebody really good. Yeah, and Dearness is a good example because they added him in July, right? But yeah, that was John Dorsey that that got him. But um, I, th- I think it was Dorsey. Maybe it was. I think that's the crew that brought him in. Uh, but they got him in July, right before training camp, out of the AAF season, which obviously no longer exists. But some of these guys, right, like in the USFL or uh, XFL, I'm sure they can can dig in there and find some guys. There's somebody out there that they can find, and I, I do think that's important because when you look at you don't want to run Nick Chubb into the ground. So if like Jerome Ford, you know, 
I guess you don't want to leave yourself short at that position. We talk about that. We talked about that at edge rusher at one point. I think we've talked about that at some other positions. And Ashley, I would just be a little worried that you just don't want to leave yourself short there and have to give the ball to, to Nick Chubb 320 times. Yeah, that's why, like, I definitely think I agree with Mary Kay. And, like, they're going to probably add somebody. Like, it just feels like they need that trustworthy third body and even like just for like camp reps when we get to training camp and they're out there every day and like it's more physical and the practices are a little longer like we know Kevin Stefanski likes to keep things tight but I do think like you at least need some more camp legs in that room to help get you through things and Paulinka agrees with me because he's barking and trying (laughs) to get into the room right now if you can't hear funny yeah, yeah, that is uh, Ashley's dog trying to get in uh, to, to where she's recording. He actually made a, a brief appearance here on our uh, on our little Zoom um, earlier, so that was exciting. Uh, Mary Kay, I'm, this isn't what I was going to throw out there, but I am just curious. Like, do you think we'll get any sort of idea of what the quarterback run game could look like? Since we're talking about the running backs, are we going to get any kind of glimpse of that in this setting? I would say a little bit. Yeah, I would say a little bit. Why? Because they have to start figuring out what that's going to look like and and where that's going to go. And you can't wait until the opener to start having these guys work on site adjustments and scramble drills and figuring out how to remain relevant and in Deshaun Watson's sights when he is on the run and where he likes to go with the ball when he runs, you know, when he takes off to the right or where he takes off to the left, you have to start getting those things down. When you have a running quarterback, it's a unique situation and you have to be ready for it. And when you think of a, of a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Pat's been doing this for a long time in Andy Reid's offense, obviously since 2017. So, I mean, he's got his mojo down when it comes to running around and making the off script plays, and the off schedule stuff. But the Browns, they, they've got to figure that out, and they have to kind of figure it out in a hurry. Not even kind of. They have to figure it out in a hurry because they have some of the toughest games on their schedule in the first four weeks, the eight, first three AFC North games. So Deshaun Watson, he doesn't really have six weeks to sort of figure out, all right, you know, or, or Elijah Moore doesn't have six weeks to sort of figure out what does Deshaun like to do on, you know, third down when the pocket collapses and, you know, he's got to improvise, you know, they've got to get knowing that as soon as they possibly can. And so I think they're going to have to start practicing it to the extent they can. Okay. Let's go through some stuff we, we might've missed here. And I think the one thing that we, you know, Mary Kay, you kind of started down this road and I do think we need to spend some more time on it is the cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with Greg Newsom, obviously Martin Emerson, Denzel Ward. There's a lot of bodies in there. Uh, Cameron Mitchell is now involved, right? So, you know, how does he kind of fit into all of this? There's still, you know, AJ Green, Thomas Graham. There's a lot of bodies there, Mary Kay. And I'm very, very interested to see, like, is it Denzel and Martin? Is it Denzel and Greg? Does it just kind of look like it did last year? I think there's a lot of intrigue at that position. And I think we're going to start to get some answers in these next three weeks. Yeah, I think so, too, because obviously, you know, there's a new sheriff in town in Jim Schwartz and the philosophy back there is different. And he has new eyes on these guys and he's going to want to have things done his way. And again, as we mentioned before, I think they're going to play you know, a lot more man. And I think they have uh, the horses to be able to do that. They have the talent to be able to do it. 
And it's, you know, I think, you know, the way that you're going to divide those reps up, I, I do think that somewhat, it will be somewhat matchup driven. I mean, if you have a big, big receiver that wins the contested ball, maybe you put a Martin Emerson on that guy. If you've got a speedy, shiftier, twitchy guy, maybe you go with more of a Greg Newsom kind of a, a matchup there. So I, you know, I think it's going to be matchup driven. So we won't necessarily be able to, to 100% pick up on it, but we'll start to get clues as to how Jim Schwartz is viewing these guys in the back end. Ashley, you've corralled your dog. And now I think you're ready to talk about Brown's cornerbacks. Yes, thank you. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, he is sitting here next to me, but he's quiet now. But I do think like too, it's, I remember when Greg Newsom talked to us in April and, you know, this was, the whole basis of the discussion was basically about him being disgruntled about playing in the slot last year. And he, I just got that vibe kind of like what Mary Kay was saying that like, these guys aren't going to be pigeonholed. They're going to move around. And he made the comment that last year, you know, in the scheme, he felt like that slot corner position that he was playing more like a linebacker and that it just feels differently this year. So, I mean, it just kind of goes to me like the bigger picture of getting a feel for how these guys are going to fit in the scheme um, if there's going to be some movement around in these various position groups and and what it looks like when everything's really starting up front. So, you know, I am curious to see kind of what we can glean from that slot role and if guys are kind of moving in and out of there a bit more than we saw where Greg got, you know, majority of those snaps in that spot last year. Okay, what else did we miss? Well, I want to just add something real quick about Greg Newsom. I think you're going to see a very happy Greg Newsom. I think he's mm-hmm. going to display a lot of energy. I think he's going to try to show uh, that he is completely 100% bought into Jim Schwartz, bought into Cleveland, bought into the scheme because he has something to prove. People, you know, there was a report out there that he, you know, wanted to be traded. And I think that he's going to want to really show uh, that that he is an integral part of this football team and this town. He threw out the fit first pitch last night at the Guardians game. He's playing that Joe Hayden man about town role that he plays so well. And you know, he's got his softball tournament coming up. Uh, I mean, his softball game, Greg Newsom and friends, celebrity softball game coming up. I think he's going to want to really put on a I'm happy to be here show. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, you know, we saw the clips of him throwing out the first pitch. Like he is, I I, I love the Joe Hayden comparison because he he really has embraced that. And actually, he's like the dynamic guy in that room too. You know, Denzel's yeah. really quiet. Martin, yeah. Martin will talk on the field, but he doesn't. He's well. he's pretty quiet away from it. But uh, Greg's the Greg's the man there. Like he's the one who he loves to talk trash on the field, behind the microphone, wherever it is, he's he's like the vocal the vocal guy there. Yeah, I mean, I think he declared himself the biggest trash talker on the team or the defense or something to that effect. And um, he does. He's the most talkative of the group. And I, I do think, like, we are going to see that. And, like, of course, he, he has his buddy Cameron Mitchell here. who They're such good buddies from Northwestern, even going back before then. They played seven-on-seven seven together just outside of Chicago when they were growing up. And, you know, I think that, too, is going to – to help lighten his mood a little bit. But even the last time we talked to him, it's just like he really kept hammering home that his displeasure with all the slot snaps he got 
was last year's issue. So yeah, like with all this other stuff that's bubbled up and even like the day he talked, another report came out that, you know, saying no matter what he says, like he did ask to be traded and Greg had to refute that one immediately after on his Twitter. So I do think like he just wants to put all of this to bed from what we've seen from him. So it wouldn't surprise me to to kind of see that jovial Greg Newsom out there talking, out there having fun in these open practices that we're going to see. Okay, Ashley, it looked like you were going to jump in with something there. When, when yeah, I I'm just interested to see, like, with the veteran guys back, like, Bubba Ventrone coaching up special teams and those segments and what that's going to look like. I mean, I didn't get a chance to cover him as a player, so I'm just kind of interested to see, like, the kind of energy he brings. And, you know, we talked about Mike Ford a few podcast episodes ago, but a guy like that, what he's going to look like working with Bubba Ventrone. Like, I'm, I'm really interested to just kind of see that energy in this revamp special teams unit. Yeah, Mary Kay, the, the loudest coach always seems to be, well, either Bill Callahan or the special teams coach. Um, and this is going to be our first. We got a little bit of Bubba during rookie minicamp, not a ton. This is going to be our first real Bubba experience as a coach. Yeah, I you know, I think they're, um, in addition to the new energy with 13 new guys on defense and all the new players, I think there's a new energy on special teams uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's younger, it's hipper, it's you know, it's just uh, it's punched up a significant amount. And in addition to Bubba, I mean, you've got Mike Ford and and a couple other guys, Cam Mitchell, and those guys that are going to bring the heat on special teams, which this team really needs a lot. And then I think Jim Schwartz. When you talk about the culture change, I'm very anxious to see how Jim Schwartz. Schwartz coaches these guys up, you know, I, I, you know, I really want to see, you know, how, how does he do, uh, you know, what he does and how do they respond to it? How, you know, what's Miles's body language when he's talking to, um, you know, Jim Schwartz. So I think there's, um, you know, I, I really want to see, you know, what Jim is going to be bringing to the table and, uh, and how these guys really, you know, are snapping to attention with him. I, I actually, as, as you were both talking, I just, I love the fact that they went out and they brought in a couple of guys and Mike Ford and Matthew Adams, who are sp- like special teams guys. And I'm sure they'll get their opportunities to play on defense, but like those are, they went out and they actually legitimately signed core special teams guys. So on top of bringing in Bubba, they, they, and, of course, you know, now we know that, that kickoff coverage is going to be a little less important this year, but you still got to cover punts and all that. So um, I, I just it's exciting. I, I like that they went out and just said we need like two or three guys that are Bubba's guys and they're going to help turn this unit around. I, I think that I think that means something. Yeah, I I really do. I mean, and, and you know, we again, we saw some of it. We watched Bubba coach in, in rookie mini camp. And you can see that, I mean, he coaches these guys hard, you know, he, he really does. And, you know, he's going to coach them the way that he played and he's going to demand a lot of them, but you're right. Um, you know, they went out and they, they supplied him just like they did for Jim Schwartz. You know, they didn't just throw Bubba into the job and say, you know, make something out of what was here last year. They supplied him with some really, really good guys. And some of those also, 13 new players on defense and some of the guys on offense as well are also going to fortify those special teams. These special teams are going to be way better than they were last year. Between Bubba and Kevin, this might be the most in shape coaching staff the Browns have ever had. 
I'm not I'm not completely sure, but there I mean Kevin looks like he could go run a marathon. And and yeah. Bubba still looks like he could suit up and play. It's just all right, that's another podcast. Um <laughs> anything anything else that we missed here that, that you wanted to throw out there? Did we get everything? One more thing. Let's throw out one more thing. How do the rookies look? How are they integrating? And now that you see them side by side with some of the veterans, how do they pass this new eyeball test, right? You know, now you've got to see Dewan Jones, who struggled on the first day of rookie minicamp. Now you've got to see him practicing with Joel Batonia. Well, Joel doesn't make it to every single OTA. So we're not sure Joel will be there tomorrow. Not sure about that yet, but you know, you, you've got to see how he, how he works with the Jack Conklins and the Wyatt Tellers and, you know, how is he going to hold up now that the veterans are there? How is Siaki Ika holding his own next to Dalvin Tomlinson, right? I mean, you want to see how Cedric Tillman looks stacked up against Amari Cooper when Amari is ready to practice or Donovan Peoples-Jones. So that's another key thing to watch. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually thinking about that today. This, this is always sort of a weird transition because we're so like dug in on the rookie class at this point because we had the draft and then you have rookie minicamp and the veterans kind of go on the back burner. And then you show up to OTAs and it's like, oh, yeah, Amari <laughs> Cooper's on this team and Wyatt Teller and either. <laughs> right. And oh, OK, and oh, hey, we haven't talked to Cedric Tillman in like a month and, you know, during that three week stretch, he was like the most important player on the Browns. So there is a little bit of a, of a shock there to the system when it's like, Oh yeah, there's like veterans here and these guys are really good. And it's, you know, for Ashley, for some of these rookies, it's going to be a little bit of a climb. Yeah. And I mean, like during rookie minicamp, we talked a lot about the eye test and like going out there and, and you want your draft picks in that, you know, three, two days of practice to, be the ones who jump out, who are jumping off the field, that they just look like NFL players. So this is like the next step of that. Like, yeah, like Cedric Tillman went out there and looked like an NFL player. And I thought, you know, did pretty well in practice, like didn't have noticeable drops. But is that going to translate over? And is a guy like Siaki, is he really going to, you know, look like a Ferrari right away? Or is he going to have to gain some explosiveness? Is he maybe going to look a step behind some of these veteran interior D-line guys? You know, these are all questions that, will start to be answered, you know, via the eye test when we get a chance to see them over the next couple of weeks. And, and yeah, like, I think that's also why attendance is like the big key of these entire weeks. Like who's going to be there because that, that really, I think determines like what your final opinion from these couple of weeks are going to be, because it's a little harder when you don't have the full team there. Okay. We're back at it. Back watching practices, back reporting on them. There's three things you got to do. To follow along with us, obviously. Uh, well, one of them is just read all our stories, but then there's there's three other things on top of that. First, get subscribed to this podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Orange and Brown Talk. Secondly, subscribe on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. You'll find our channel. We'll do reports from practice. There'll be highlights. We'll do some shorts, uh, lots of stuff like that. And then if you want to go even deeper, Football Insider, cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page you can become one of our texters we'll have text updates for you you get a newsletter every day and you can get access to stories about minicamp and otas uh they're behind that paywall you just have to be a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner on the top of the page for that all right for mary Kay and ashley i'm dan thanks for listening everybody 